0: Hi, I'm Dr. Janice Morrow. Thanks for joining us for another episode of American Mood Swings, where we talk about the brain and all things related to mental health. Welcome. Hi, Sean. It's Good great. to see you. Thank you. Thank you for squeezing this interview in. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Right no worries.
0: Of, I, I know it's kind of a heavy downer t- topic right right before Christmas, but uh, very timely.
1: So oh, I mean, it's you know it's um you know, tis the season, right where seasonal depression hits uh memories of of trauma um really kind of come through during you know during the holiday season. so I mean, no better time like the present to have these conversations to you know normalize what a lot of people are going through.
0: Well, I'm gonna introduce you again, uh, because it's been a while. Um, I'm not a crier. I'm gonna try. I I'm gonna try really hard not to cry during this one because because I, I really love Twitch and I watched the Ellen, you know, for years and watched yeah. it and it's just devastating. So um with that, uh, I'm Dr. Gianna Morrow with American Mood Swings, and I'm here today with Sean Perry. He's uh squeezed us in for this timely interview. Uh I met Sean about a year ago. I heard about his him on the cnn heroes of the year it's a show where they honor uh people around the globe who've been nominated for their charitable and their non-nonprofit philanthropic work and goals to help mankind and sean has an organization called we are hope Uh, we we chatted last year but he can kind of quickly he can chat about introduce himself again and then we're going to talk today about um black male suicide uh in the last week there was a very, another very high-profile celebrity um, DJ named Stephen Boss, a.k.a. Twitch. Uh, most of the world know, knew him as a dancer on a show called um, So You Think You Can Dance. I knew him from um, he was the DJ of the Ellen DeGeneres sitcom, or not sitcom, but talk no. show. So he was very well-known. And on the outside, uh, Twitch seemed to have a perfect – Life. He came across as an extremely happy person, uh, literally 24 hours before he took his life. He had posted a, he was very popular on Instagram and he and his wife would post pictures of themselves dancing. So mm-hmm. his last video or his last image to the world is, is of this happy, happy man with his perfect life, perfect mm-hmm. career, beautiful wife who seemed to adore him, three healthy children, and I'm um, just loved around the globe. And but Sean, uh, I could, I saw one of your Instagram or your TikTok video and he, we're, we all became aware of this because he was so high profile, mm-hmm. but he fits the demographic. Black males, middle-aged male are the highest, have the highest suicide rate in our country. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to talk to Sean about this and get his insights and the stage is yours, Sean. <laughs>
1: Well, thank, thank you, you. I, I, and thank you, Janice, for having me again. I I, I really appreciate it. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to American Mood Sweden's taking off, and uh, you know it being kind of a household name because I think, you know, the, these topics and discussions around mental health and mental illness are uh, so important to society. Um, we I think we as a society for for far too long have continued to push this topic down. And I think that's one of the reasons that we're seeing a rise, um, in suicidal ideation and suicide, uh, completed suicide as a whole. Uh, one of the things that, I, <clears throat> that I just really want to preface that that I think is really important, um, and, and not to take away from Twitch, but I think to, to add to the severity of this situation is that if we look at data, right one of the things that we'll notice is that Twitch was probably one out of 131 others that decided to take their lives that exact day, right? That is the, that is the data, right? So, so the data is roughly 132 people in the U S take their lives every single day. But what's more staggering is that out of that 132, a hundred one hundred males take their lives every day right so that's thirty five thousand males uh a year um out of that number i'm not sure specifically what the number is 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 for black or people of color in particular i i, I don't have that data but I, but I think that that's staggering um and I think that it's important for us um, as a society to ask what is it right what is it about um Men like Twitch. And I think what got me so frustrated and why I made a video regarding um, the the loss of life was because we kept hearing, uh, and I'm not sure if you did, but I kept hearing this narrative that he was happy. That he had everything in the world going for him. Why would someone like that, who has everything going for them. Do this. It has to be a conspiracy. The Hollywood elites. Mm-hmm. He knew something about the Ellen Show. Oh, and God. The Hollywood elites came for him. I mean, for the love of God, yeah. right? I just, I just don't. Uh, uh, this blatant ignorance, right, or, or, or ignorance to ignore the simple fact that people are in pain each and every day is baffling to me when a lot of these people who are making said claims are also in pain. (laughs) So I just, I kind of can't wrap my head around it. And, you know, when we talk about black and brown men, um, we're seeing an increase. We're seeing a really large increase in In our society, and, and you know, there was a study in in Pediatrics in 2019 that analyzed data from uh, 1991 uh, to 2017 uh, for youth risk behavior, either youth risk behavior survey. And they found that twenty percent of youth reported thoughts of suicide and nearly fifteen had a suicidal plan. Um, the data further went the, the, uh, drilling the data further down, what they found was there was a uh, a seventy three percent increase in black youth, um, while attempts among every other ethnic group declined. Uh, the team also saw a hundred and twenty two percent increase in self reported injuries related to su- suicide uh, attempts among among black boys. Continue, uh, continuing their analysis through twenty nineteen, the researchers found. 144% increase in suicide attempts for black youth and a 166% increase in injuries related to uh suicide attempts. So the data is out there the data is staggering. And and one of the things that that I find interesting is is we talk about how do we um help to prevent right? those feeling disenfranchised and and suicidal. And one of the things that that we know from the data is connection, right? Human connection. And so that's a lot of what I do, right? I talk about and teach about vulnerability, working through shame and guilt. And, And you can't connect with other people until you do those things. But how can you be connected when you feel as though, as a human, and you're talking about human connection, that you feel as though you have a target on your back for the color of your skin.
0: Do you think, um, and I hope it's not naive, do you think most black people feel this way, that they have a target, women too?
1: Well, it's, you know, that's an interesting question, because would I say that all black people feel that way? I think that that would be ignorant for me to say that, because then I'd be speaking for all black people. Okay. Right. I I think that's just I think I think there's too many black leaders out there that make comments that they believe represent all black people. And that is ridiculous. That would be like aliens coming down here, (laughs) taking over the taking over mankind. And then one person speaking up for all of mankind and how we think. And that's just not the way that it is. right. Right. Like, I think we all think differently. We all feel differently. We all believe differently because we're all individuals like everybody else. Your life. What I will say, yeah, what I will say is that I think there is a consensus, right in 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 our in our black society, that we are fearful in certain areas, we are mindful in certain things in our lives. I'll give you a really great, for instance. So I've got a I, I've got five children, yeah. um, and I've got two boys, and my youngest boy one of the conversations that I've had with him recently was the same conversation that I had with my oldest son recently, or not recently, a, a long time ago, when he roughly when he was his age, was that um, you have to remember that you're a black boy, right? That what your friends will not get in trouble for, you will, right? That when you go out in public, unfortunately, depending on where you're living in the area that you're at, you represent to those people all black people because you are, you are, you may be the only black person they really encounter in their lives, other than what they see on TV in a rap video and this and that. So, you represent black people as a whole. Now, just think about the weight that a 12 year old. Is now carrying because of that conversation that I have to have with them, you know, with him for his safety. Right. When you get pulled over, your hands go on the steering wheel immediately. You hand your license of registration out the window. You say, yes, sir. No, sir. No questions asked. These are things that are not taught in typical white communities. Right, these aren't these aren't conversations that 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 I can remember any of my Caucasian friends having with their parents, but these are conversations that are happening in black homes all over the country. Now, I will say, not all black homes, and when they don't have that conversation, they find out the hard way.
0: Uh, One of the things I saw that you had posted, you know, was very very real and raw about, um, you know, we have feelings, but you know, men because. You know, I'm 56, so and I have three brothers, and I I don't recall ever seeing any of them, you know, cry. Uh, yeah. And there is even this whole thing about be strong, be tough, men don't cry, hold right. it in, You'd be strong for the family. And I'd love to know your thoughts on that, and if you think we can ever get past that, or is it is it innate, or is this taught, and can we teach? can men, can these boys, do you think they'll ever get past it? Or do you think they're just, it's always going to be a cultural challenge? There is this like, don't be a wuss. What if you're, if you, if you're caught or seen, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, especially having two sons and what, what do you say to them? And do you think it can ever, we can get past that? Uh,
1: so, so I do think we can get past that. And I think that we as a society are actually moving in that direction. And I, and, and I also think that, People are really scared of that direction. What does that mean to our society? We need to bring real men back. Can (laughs) someone define to me what a real man is, right? Like just define it. And the reality is, is that everybody who says real man, they all have a little bit of a different definition of it. But basically what they're saying is a, is a, is a man that, um, has this bravado, has this, has that look um i don't want to burst anybody's bubble crying doesn't make you weak that's just insane to think that that crying makes you weak that showing your emotions makes you a weak man i you know i was i was um fooled by that for the vast majority of my life um i think that there is a there is a i think that there is a line of masculinity right that 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 that, that a man should um uh be a protector in a in a in a way but it but, but this, these aren't the caveman days right <laughs> we're we're not going out with spears and hunting and doing these things you know the hunters now they do it recreationally yeah. Right, to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, if you think, you know, what's funny, you know, and no disrespect to hunters. I know a lot of hunters, you know, for, you know, I live in Vermont. So if they ever want, you know, any of my brothers ever watch this, I don't want them to, to say, Sean, you got on our case about hunting. But the, but the reality is is hunters in the old days, they didn't put, they didn't put bear heads and moose heads on their wall. They ate everything. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, like, I get it. You, you know, you're going back to like the roots of of, of, of manhood. And, and I think that um we are, I want to go kind of back a little bit. We are we are starting to move past this bravado age of man. You know, one of the things you can find it in in all nationalities throughout the world, right? Um, Italian, Greek, Polish, German, right? This, this. This old school style of men don't talk about their feelings, so forth and so on. And I had this conversation with a gentleman the other day after one, after my post. And and the reality is, is I think I I personally believe that a real man um, allows for his emotions to be seen and felt by those he loves around him. I, I honestly believe that we. It, it, Pushing those down, I believe, has been the reason for the rise in suicide. Being we
0: taught to hold it, hold it in. Yeah. So, look. It. It, yeah. Yeah.
1: What do you, so, 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 think about your emotion. Think about your emotions like popcorn.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. If you've got a, your your little kettle and you have a and you have a a lid on the top of it, and as you're getting or feeling a certain way, all of those things are popping and bubbling up. Right. And, and, and so when that lid comes off, it's going to put, or when that lid sits there, it's going to push that over and just overflow. And so, you know, we have a responsibility to ourselves, to our families, uh, to our loved ones in general to learn how to appropriately communicate what it is that we're feeling. But one of the problems with men in particular is that we work from a place of fear. <laughs> right? So when we become afraid of what our family's doing or what this is, what's happening here, or what's happening there, we become, that fear then becomes anger. So the vast majority of men have not ever been taught how to appropriately address their emotions. And I, and I believe that if they were taught how to appropriately address and identify their emotions, it wouldn't be seen as a sign of weakness you know, we believe that being angry shows, (laughs) shows strength. And it's the, I think that that's the furthest thing from the truth.
0: Well, the older I get, I've definitely heard more therapists and people talk about um, pain, pain being a manifestation. It's a, that it all comes from, uh, excuse me, that anger and rage, a lot of this comes from pain. And and I've been very fascinated. I have a brother, he's 63. We're kind of estranged right now. um, Mm -hmm. But he's a biker and he's had like, crazy wild behavior his whole entire, lots of, lots of cr- criminal activity and just yeah. violent, violent behavior. And as his sister, I, I I wonder, we grew up in the same environment where he's never talked about any, I, you know, he's, he's on his fourth marriage, but there, there obviously is a lot of pain and sadness. Yeah. I, I wish he, I'd love to see him talk and get past this where he could have some kind of peace in the last chapter of his life. It's been very uh, interesting to see. I've never heard him talk about pain or his feelings ever. and and i I just know i've I've witnessed a lot of violent, aggressive behavior, even as a sixty three years old man, which yeah. is kind of shocking you'll think, well, you would think someone would get past this. I haven't seen someone behave like this in their twenties, throwing right. things and breaking things. Not at sixty-three. Most men I know of Miller. <laughs> 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 They're tired. They're just yeah. tired. And, and women. I won't just. I shouldn't just say men because lots but, of but
1: vulnerability, is. right? It, it means that 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 you have to open up, and and it, and 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 the reality is is that men are scared to be vulnerable because we have been taught that vulnerability is a sign of weakness. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, like I said before, I I, I just, I can't get around that, right? Like I, I, I can't get behind that. I I I think that when I was younger, I I, I believed that for sure. I would say 100% I believed that vulnerability was a sign of weakness. But I also know that not being vulnerable almost killed me. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> right. So there's a there's a catch twenty-two, right? Like I, I knew that that not not having these conversations and and holding everything in almost destroyed all of my friendships and 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 intimate relationships and um you know put me in a place where I wanted to take my own life. So vulnerability is the key, and, and vulnerability doesn't make you weak. And I think that is the thing that we've gotta we've gotta we've gotta find a way to 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 teach men in particular, that, 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 it's okay to be vulnerable because without vulnerability, um, th- there's no possible way. And, and this is just the reality. There is no way for you to connect with another human being to truly connect, to truly connect.
0: without being vulnerable. Um, and you've been in the trenches of dealing, working with kids, um, efforts yeah. uh, for a long time, over 20 years. So how, ha- You've obviously had these conversations. Do you feel like both of your sons? Do you, Do they express their feelings? As a father, have you been? Do you watch them and think, "Wow, it's working"? Or, hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would. I would say. I would say they do, but I would also say that there's a natural anxiety um, in general, right, to do that sometimes. But as a father, creating that space that it's that it's okay to do so, right, and you do that by leading by example. Right. By by having these conversations, by me having this conversation right with you right now and my son upstairs in his room and probably able to hear the entire conversation. Oh, right. Uh, so, so, you know, so so, you know, being able to, to talk about these things openly, I believe, create a space for my children to do the same. Now, whether or not they, they choose to is is a choice that they that they make. But it doesn't mean that there's not that availability for them to do so. It doesn't mean that the space hasn't been created for them not to do so.
0: Um, From your experience in the last 20 years of working with youth, do you, um, because when I look at somebody like Twitch and think, well, obviously there must have been like, before this life, we see this perfect, happy life or what it appears to be. What happened before? What I don't know anything about his childhood or adolescent years like, do you do you think most people with the right tools can get past that? Or it seems like what I see, I see a lot of adults stuck forever and never get past that childhood pain.
1: I, I, I look, I, Oh gosh. No, I, I think, yeah. listen. So when we talk about trauma, one of the things that we have to remember, and I use this analogy all the time is that both of us could be driving in a car. We could both get into the same accident. One person may never drive in a car ever again. And another person may be in a car 20 minutes later (laughs) with no care in the world, right? With no care in the world.
0: Interesting.
1: Trauma is individualized, right? How we perceive a situation through through that trauma lens is how we're going to internalize it. So what may be traumatic for you may not be traumatic for me. People are traumatized by their parents' divorces, right? I mean, traumatized and really messy. My parents' divorce was messy and I could care less. Now, it impacted my sister. It impacted my brother. Me, I didn't really care, right? Like, I can't can't relate to people when they say, like, my parents' divorce bothers me and, and I'm still struggling with it 20 years later. Like, it didn't impact me that way.
0: I did make you fearful of marriage or becoming. No, not at all. Right. Like not at
1: all. And so, you know, and I think that's the problem that I have with the big T and a little T analogy. Like we've got a big trauma and a little trauma. I was like, you you can't, you can't, you can't put trauma in a box like that because you know, what's a little trauma to you may be a really big trauma to me based on how I was raised, how I was brought up and how I view certain things in my life. And so in, in regards to Twitch in particular, I think that it would be it would it would do him an injustice to say that he didn't have the tools to work through it because we don't know in particular what it is that he needed to work through and or and or what the trauma specifically was and how he viewed that trauma because someone else could have said maybe he had a sibling. I don't know. Maybe, you know, I don't know much about the man in particular, but 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 maybe somebody else in his life was like, well, that's, that's not really a big deal. And maybe just, maybe he got tired of hearing that wasn't a big deal. Mm -hmm. Wow. You you see what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because things, yeah. Well, yeah. See, Because
1: we allow people to get into our lives and tell us how we should feel. This is, this is the American way, right? Like, well, that's not a big deal. You shouldn't, you shouldn't worry about that. Like you've worked through it. You've become so successful. You become so this, why is that so bothering you? Wait a second. What? Who are you to tell me what should continue to bother me at this point in my life?
0: I'll bring up something. I hope I, that it was surprising to me, but I'm not, I'm not black. So I can't, I have a very good friend. He's 83 and I know him from the gym. His name is David Jackson. Grew up in the small town of Mississippi Mm -hmm. or Kentucky. So a couple of years ago at the gym, I see him every day. And um, a conversation came up with somebody and somebody called him nigger. Used the Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and he was really upset about it. Mm-hmm. It just—I've it, never seen David in like in ten years even face. He's kind of been there, done it all,
1: yeah. and
0: like—and I was surprised. Like, can't you? Aren't you like thick-skinned at this point? Just ignore him. He's like, you—you you can't understand. You can't. He wanted an apology, and it really bothered him for months. And he'd bring it up, and it just—you know. But I—I I haven't been called that, and it really that word. I'm like, can't you just? Brush it off. But cares? So,
1: well, so, so, yeah, I mean, and I, and I think, you know, that's a, you know, that's that you're looking at it through your lens of, of your life experience and not understanding yeah. what that means to him. Right. But, yes. but, but, there's but there's a flip side to that is, is that that for him, that word says something very specific based on where he grew up, what it meant to him and the lens in which he views it from. Right now. at Now I'm not as old as this, this man. And i sure as heck didn't grow up in Mississippi, which is the, you know, considered the, the deep, the deeper South. And there's a lot of stuff that happened within that community, you know, within that state and, and God only knows what, what, what he lived through. Right. So my gosh, now me growing up in the Northeast and I, and I heard that word on the, on the, on the regular, but there was a point in my life where I made a conscious decision, right. To perceive that word differently and that took a lot of work. But now if someone was to say that to me like I would probably chuckle. Mm-hmm. Because I look at it like, wow, after all these years like you can't find any other way to try to make me feel bad, like you think that that's the thing that makes me feel bad. And how could that make me feel bad about myself? So, I've changed the lens in which I look through it. Mm-hmm. You know, look at it through. And 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 but that's that's individual, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's 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 an individual thing. Like if you said that to my father, you wouldn't have any teeth. Yeah. Like that was that was the way that he dealt with it because again, he grew up in the South. Like it had a, a you know, it, it was just a di- it was a different thing for him. You know what I mean? And
0: as you were growing up, I don't know if the, if it's too personal you don't have to share share it. Like yeah. uh was there ever a time like if you cried, what, what was your upbringing like? Would your dad have said kind of toughen up or it's okay to cry or would it have been like toughen up you're the guy
1: you're no to. my so my dad wasn't like tough it up you're the guy like we didn't have conversation there wasn't this um my dad didn't preach this male dominance like that like that wasn't his thing although he was very dominant um but i did learn to to hold my emotions in so for instance you know if I got my ass whooped for something, right? He would be like, I'll give you something to cry about. I was like, bro, you just did. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I don't even understand that comment, you know? Um, so there were, there were times, where, you know, he would tell me like, stop crying, you ain't got no reason to cry. You know what I mean? Like things like that. But it wasn't about, at least to my recollection, it wasn't about me being a man. It was more about, me dealing with what needed to be dealt with because life is always full of pain and you need to figure it out. That's, that's my interpretation of it, right? Like you don't have time to cry because life is always going to give you pain and you're going to have to learn how to work through it. Now, some of that lesson is, is really important, but what it also was, what it also taught me was that my emotions didn't matter and weren't valid. And I didn't, and I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have been feeling what I was feeling. So that, that does a lot for a child who's, who's, you know, for any child, um, who really needs to learn how to emotionally regulate, which, you know, because of that, I didn't learn how to emotionally regulate. I was an angry, when I say angry, I mean like, um, I didn't know how to view such as situations a certain way and how to communicate them appropriately without getting angry because I wasn't allowed to be angry in my house. Like if I was angry in my house, My father would say, like, fix your face. Oh, (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't allowed to show that I was angry about what he said to me. It was fix your face or I'll fix it for you. Wow. So, you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think uh, probably I used to. I'm, I'm definitely especially working on this show and learning a lot the last few years. Like. I always had a hard time seeing somebody depressed all the time. Like, come on, you know, snap out of it or just right. that, that gloom and doom face or some people. But that's
1: like, a, but, see, but. so Janice, like this is an important piece, right? Because that's a that's a you thing, right? Like that's a you problem. And what I mean by that is that doom and gloom face that you're feeling something, right? There's something that's coming up for you that's making you feel uncomfortable about it. Yeah.
0: I, I remember one time, it, I was a teenager, and um, mm-hmm. there was this lady at church, you know, I grew up Mormon, and anyway, we called everybody brother and sister. So sister Call, and she had nine kids and never smiled. She just kind of always had this sternness to her, and mm-hmm. everyone was kind of scared of her at church, right, uh, the kids. But one time we went away to girls' camp, and she gave this beautiful Sunday school lesson, and I saw this completely different person. She was warm and soft and I looked at her, I was like 17, and I came home and was telling my father about it. And he said, You know, honey, not some people have very tough life. And with nine kids, and not everybody, just because someone's not smiling and laughing doesn't mean they're happy. But you you her whole perspective and set of responsibilities, it, it was a very, you know, trying because he was very no-nonsense person, didn't smile. Mm-hmm. Mom was warm and soft and smiling sure. all the time, and dad was just more. You know, he smiled, but not. It was just he. Everyone thought he was retired military. He wasn't. Right. <laughs> but he, had the, he had piercing blue eyes and this like kind of crew cut. So he and and this kind of stern demeanor. Right. So people would think, oh, he must be retired military, and he wasn't. But but what I saw as I became an adult, and he was very warm and soft, and had the you know he was the one who'd bring home the stray animals at, at his job site because he couldn't handle. It. Right. <laughs> so, so that's what, when you when I saw your TikTok. Last week, it really mm. pulled at my heartstrings because you were like, "Men, we have feelings." You know,
1: yeah.
0: can look at men, and I guess I did see my my brother in Hawaii. I have three but one's passed away, but I he changed after his divorce seven years ago, and he I was the first time in my life I saw my brother cry, and he cried a lot. Yeah, and, and there was mental illness there, and and that led to that, but um, seeing this really just as the pain from the divorce and not seeing his son. And and, um, so I felt, I I really felt your video last week. And, well, you know,
1: I, I I heard something the other day. Well, probably, probably almost might've been a year ago. I I heard it, it and it really stuck with me. There's not a lot of things that stick with me. Right. Like, and what I mean by that is I, I try to absorb a lot of information and I take in what, what's, what, what, what I can use and I get rid of the rest. And I, Basically, forget it. <laughs> right? Just, that's how my brain is. It's like, what? do you need that? If not, get rid of it. And um, I heard this. This guy was talking, and he said, "My wife and daughters are harder on me than anybody else." He said they would rather see me die on my white horse than see me give up, right? Than mm-hmm. see me talk about what I'm feeling.
0: Oh, that and I,
1: yeah. and, it, and it was really powerful because. I think a lot of times in, in certain families or, 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 you know, um, that there is this, this expectation that the man cannot say, you know what, I'm not doing anything this weekend. I'm going to lay on his couch. I'm going to lay in his bed. I'm not bringing anybody shopping. I don't want to do anything. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to wallow in my sorrow because it feels good. And that's it. Because when, when men do that, it's you're lazy. You don't want to do anything. You don't help anybody. right? But, but why can't we take a mental health day? Why can't we say, you know what? Like I've been working my backside off for months and I am just physically and emotionally exhausted and I need somebody to be here for me or I just need everybody to leave me alone for a little while. Right? Why is it that that our our decom? You know, uh, uh, you know, the way that men in the U.S. decompress, right? And 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 I've been known for this myself is is to go grab a six pack or a twelve pack and and drink it away. And and I think it's because we can do that without anybody complaining because that's the the standard norm of when we're decompressing rather than going in and saying, everybody, leave me alone. I want silence. I want this. I want that. Cause I just don't feel mentally good right now. And I have started, I I believe that I've done a really good job of, you know, in, in talking with my wife of like, look, I don't have the capacity right now to hear this, whatever you're bringing to me, I don't have the capacity, right? I got this, 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 and this going on. And I need to just be left alone. I'm shutting the bedroom door. Do not come in. Do not bother me. I will let you know when I am ready. And
0: how's that going? Is she fine? it with goes that?
1: Great. great? It goes great. Like I get, I get that space, right? Um, sometimes, like like anything, like she doesn't understand it because she has her emotional needs as well. <laughs> and what I and what I say is, yeah. I'm sorry. Right now, I need to focus on me because if I don't focus on me, I sure as hell can't focus on you. Okay. Right. and this and is it's, a
0: new thing like just recently you've been able oh to.
1: within the last within the last two two and a half years
0: you know I would like to hear because it's been a while since we chat last year yeah I would, I would like just kind of remind people of the, of your of your organization and I would like to hear how it's going and if things have moved forward since last year what's what's going on with We Are Hope and um, yeah I'd like you to talk about it and sure yeah
1: people. so so We Are Hope is a nonprofit organization that brings anxiety education, trauma-informed interactive services, suicide prevention, collaborative problem-solving, and emotional CPR to individuals in schools struggling to find affordable support options, right? Like that's the big thing. The the, the simple answer is we go into schools, we bring uh, coaches in there to support kids five days a week for half an hour every day with with the sole focus to focus on anxiety. And the reason that we, 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 chose anxiety or that we work solely on anxieties because anxiety can be rooted back to the reason that we have the majority of the behaviors that we have, right? Thoughts create emotions which impact or influence behavior. And so being able to focus on the, the anxiety aspect of it really helps all people identify what's going on, what the thought process is, what the emotion is, and then what the negative behavioral response is. And so if we can teach people to look at things through a different lens uh through uh cognitive behavioral uh techniques uh we can help them identify and, and change we can help them identify the negative emotion thereby changing changing it to a positive emotion thereby changing um an overall positive behavioral outcome um, we are in Vermont New Hampshire Connecticut um and Arkansas now and so you know we're we're growing we've got uh 16 17 coaches uh 18, 19, I think nineteen coaches now, something like that. you know we just had a big meeting today with with a lot of our coaches. we had several coaches that weren't there. yeah, I think we have nineteen coaches because we have fifteen there so um yeah and 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 so tomorrow actually on the twenty second we are closing on our first ever um we are hope house, which will be an airbnb house to raise uh capital for we are hope in our summer retreats. We had an amazing summer retreat this year. we had about a hundred and we have a hundred and a hundred something kids show up for over three weeks, um, with amazing success. Um, with, within that, uh, we saw a 34% decrease in anxiety in 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 three weeks in a three week period, which yeah. I think is huge.
0: The, the camp had the kids come for like a week Uh, Yeah. So
1: it's a three week wellness retreat. Uh, They can sign up for all three weeks. They can sign up for one week. They can sign up for two weeks. Uh, We, we hope they sign up for all three weeks. We only charge $100 a week. So basically $25 a day because it's a four day uh, retreat each week. Um, Within that, uh, we do hiking, swimming, um, equine wellness, yoga, mindfulness, uh, and field games. And then we do uh, mental health education of 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 a sort. So we might do resilience training or education. We may do anxiety education. We might do um, uh, emotional CPR education. So it really all kind of depends on on what we decide to do for the week or for the for the entire for the entire period.
0: Uh, did you notice after your um, exposure on CNN and receiving that award, um, did you get like a? Has there been an increase in donations or funding? I And then remind people like who've never seen you before. Some of from our last interview clips, um, how how it's funded or the at the schools? I think you mentioned yeah. about title. I'd like people to know. Yeah. And, yeah. and then also, you know, hopefully we can. Uh, it'd be great. the The more you well known you become, I, I'd love to see the donations. But I'd love to hear yeah. uh, have people see. And then the, where where is your Airbnb house? And can the public it, it, they can book it knowing this money for this that's being raised here is going. That would be a wonderful way to promote that. You know. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So. Let's start with, um, sure. cha- cha- yeah, that was a lot. So, Champions for Change was the was the was the show that we were on for CNN. We were 2021 Champions for Change recipients. From that came our Arkansas contract. Mm-hmm. Um, we did get some other calls. Um, you know, I, I thought our phone would be ringing off the hook. That was not the case. Uh, I thought donations would have been pouring in. That was not the case. But I think, if anything, what we what we really gained from that was legitimacy. Okay. Right, we can now take that piece, right? That that news story, that piece, and and we can share that. And as we're introducing ourselves to other schools and uh, when we do training, so I think it lends a lot of legitimacy to the work that we're doing. And 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 just to kind of sidestep as far as legitimacy, you know, we just had a public uh, paper published about our data, and so we are now published uh, uh, an evidence based organization for the for the work that we're doing. So. I think over this last year we've we've really focused a lot on legitimate legitimizing our work so that so that no longer people can say that we're just kind of this organization just popped up that thinks that we have a great idea no we know we have a great idea our idea works and kids are getting better and I think that's that's the important thing um when it comes to our <clears throat> um um, house in Chester. The house would be in Chester, Vermont. Uh, it'll it'll show up as you know. We'll have a title of you know, Air, you know, we are hope Airbnb. Blah 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 blah. So you know, people have to look for that as far as as far as what that it would be in a the cute little town of Chester, Vermont. It's close to Okemo, close to uh, several other ski mountains, and um, every every dollar. Uh, spent there will go to supporting youth mental health and our summer retreat. So I think, you know, we'll be one of the first organizations in the country that, you know, actually we'll probably be the only mental health organization in the country or the only organization in the country is that when you stay in, in this specific house, it will go to youth mental health. So we're constantly creating new and innovate new and innovative ways Uh, to interact with the community for people to know more about us.
0: I have not been to Vermont, but if I was going and I had heard about this, you know, nothing would make someone happier than knowing that it's going for a good cause. Absolutely. This this whole list of, uh, that's a great idea. And what are, and, and you just got into Arkansas. So um, how many schools are you in there and, and what's next? What's the
1: yeah? So last yeah. So last year we were in Arkansas in one school for six hours a day. We're now in two schools for twelve hours a day. So um, we'll be, we will be in a in a high school in Pine Bluff High, and we'll be in Matthews Elementary School uh, to, to, for the remainder of this year. And then the idea is to be in the rest of their schools starting in 2023-2024 school year.
0: And remind me because it's been a while, or for people who've never seen you. So I think you 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 did mention the the kids go every day for like a few weeks, and then it, is there a wait list, or how are, how is that first group of kids are they chosen by the school, or how how is that first inaugural inaugural class uh, chosen, and then and then do, after that like five weeks, and then is it another group and another group? First, yeah. We've never heard you talk about it.
1: Yeah, great questions. So we um, we work with what's called the MTSS coordinator in every school, multi-tier systems of support, right? So th- this is where kids who may be struggling, they go into a tiered system, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier three needing the most extensive level of support, uh, 504 plans, IE, the higher level IEPs, um, getting a lot of behavioral, like really behavioral interventions, uh, special ed stuff. Um, We fall in Tier 2. Tier 2 are typically the kids that really fall through the cracks. Tier 1 is the support that all students should be receiving in schools, <laughs> Tier 1 support. Um, so within Tier 2, these kids are falling through the cracks because what we know is that kids who have higher needs are always going to get the support. But there are a bunch of kids struggling with anxiety that are skipping class, missing class, some other things, maybe no homework or or maybe not participating at all. And those kids are kind of just swept under the rug because they're not a huge – They're not really bothersome to to the school community. Right. They kind of fly under the radar. So that's really where we are. Hope comes in with that tier two level of support, which, by the way, and I want to backtrack on on something really quickly. um, Our our supports are paid through by title funds. So title one, title three, title four funds through. Uh, schools. And so all schools have, well, I shouldn't say all schools, but the vast majority of schools have title funding and that's how we're paid or, or schools put us into their local budget. Um, So when we start a school year, depending on whether or not we've already worked in that school district, if we've worked in that school district and we end in June and we start again in September, what happens is, is the kids that we ended with, we start with them first, just checking in with them, So forth and so on. And then we're building that caseload. Our program is roughly 60 to 90 days. Kiddos see us five days a week for 30 minutes for roughly 60 to 90 days. And then they rotate out and then new students come in. So, for instance, if we are in a school where we're seeing where we're contracted for six hours a day, we would see 12 students individually five days a week. And then that would multiply depending on the amount of times we rotated students out. So that 12 turns into 24 or to the 36. Or if it's a high rotation, depending on the need of the school, it might be 48. Nice. So it really depends on um, exactly how kids are rotating in. Like we've got some kids that are, that literally like we think they're going to be, they're going to need a lot of support. And when we find out they need 30 days of support. Okay. Right. And I think what we have to remember is that within our, you know, somebody might say, well, you know, 60 to 90 days, that's not a lot of time. What we have to remember is that this is in, this is, you know, um, 60 to 90 days is five days a week. There's no other support that's out there that's five days a week. So in a 60 to 90 day period, we are seeing our kids more than a therapist would see their, that same kid over a 12-month period. Wow. So that's the difference. This is very intensive in a school building. And again, it allows us to meet the kids where they're at. Parents don't have to travel anywhere. The kid's already in school. And I think what's what's a really important fact to all parents that that may listen to this show is and, and are wondering, you know, is this something we should get in our school, the, you don't pay for this service. This is literally a free service to that family because the school picks up the bill and is offering services to all students. So I think that that's a really huge plus in a time where where families are really struggling financially.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I know lots of people who, who don't get help because they say they can't afford it um i and i did hear a lot of uh, i had patients uh approaching me during covid uh, for year one and year two like my kid is suicidal I, what do i do who can i call uh i i called somebody in the network and it's a three-month wait to get in the mm. door <laughs> good luck with that yeah um so this is nice to see uh, what's the proceed oh uh, there's a couple more questions so sure. there's I have read that uh, the Biden administration is, you know, very uh, and our current surgeon general, B- Vivek wow. Marte, he's very pro mental health, which is great. Yes. So there's there's definitely been an increase in funding and legislation passed. I'd like to be I don't know if you're even is any of that going. Has any of that been allotted to the title programs that you're uh, referring to? And if you even know. And then um, I'd like I'd love to know. How you is it? do you have like a staff people do do they start calling schools and say, "How do the schools hear about you? Do you have an outreach or because i yeah i'm I'm hoping, and I think the big mission is that your organization. Uh, is in every school in America. That would that be- is
1: that is our hope also. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that would be the- <laughs> elementary, junior high, high school. So yeah, how do the schools hear about you? Yeah. Are you? Is there an outreach? And then I'd love to know. I'm curious if any of that money that's been passed by the fed- by the government is any of that going for this title funding, where there will be more funds available?
1: Yeah. So the um, over the last couple of years for, for COVID in particular, they had what we called you know COVID relief funding or ESSER funding. And so schools would get X amount of millions of dollars. And the idea was that they would utilize that for mental health supports. And so, um, I believe now they're in their third phase of, of ESSER funds. We've been paid through a lot of our schools through those funds. I know that there's, I don't know if they're considering it ESSER funds now with this new package that Biden has put together. And, the, and, and, and the, the surgeon general has, has spoken up about and saying, look, we, we, we've got to do something and make this a priority. Um, I know that uh, we are currently working with um, a state, I won't say their name now, but we're currently working with a state uh, for around some legislation with uh, two senators in particular um, for some legislation within their state to bring in comprehensive mental health supports where where we've really developed an entire system in which not only can we educate the, the the educators, but we can also educate the students and give them one-on-one individualized supports. Uh, that funding will come through the state funding, right? So the state will then fund that project. Um, in, in regards to the how schools hear about us, one of the things that I do is um, uh, you know, people reach out to us on, on, on Facebook. They send me like, oh, you need to be in this school. You need to be in that school. And I'll say, well, set me a meeting, right? So I get that kind of stuff. And then, you know, we'll go set a meeting. But I've got a really great director of communications, Susan uh, Garifello, who came on with us recently. And one of her tasks is to reach out. There was a, re- a recent article, if you will, uh, uh, recently in the Washington Post about a school in Arizona um, that was that was they're kids came out and said, listen, we need met the house supports. We've had, I believe it was five suicides. I couldn't be wrong, but I believe it was five suicides within the district and and and, and within the school. And we got to do something. And so they there that school is expressing the need for support. So when I see articles like that, what I do is I hand that to Susan and I say, I need you to make contact with the school, set up a meeting so we could talk about what we are we are hope can do to support. And so that's kind of the way that we do it. Okay. Um, great. Look look to see you know, where, where we know that there is a need because people are saying there's a need and, and, and then, and then reaching out. Um, there's really no other good way that we found other than reaching, you know, just picking up the phone, right. Um, you know, looking at the demographic of the area, you know, a a news story might come out about another suicide, a, um, you know, uh, someone might write that there's some bullying going on in a school. That's a sign of people being, you know, disenfranchised and things happening there and mental, you know, which causes depression, suicidality. Right. So so when we see these articles, the, the job of the people that 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 work for me in particular is to, you know, people like Susan or we had Adam before was to now. Now I need you to set out an, you know, an olive branch, if you will. Reach out to them. Let them know that we are hope exists. Set a meeting. How can we do this and, and make sure that they have the supports that they need?
0: Um, did you ever hear? Uh, I I I don't know if they have the the resources, but that where the mass shooting was with the little kids. Uval was it Uvalde, Texas earlier? Yeah, yeah. I, I so mean, I reached
1: out to them. I reached out to them personally myself, and no one ever wrote back to me. So oh. you know. This is, you know, and this is what this is what happens. Right. Well, and and I think what we have to remember, is especially with with that, with that incident, with that incident. Right. The trauma, we, yeah. Well, we reached out to them so that we can provide uh, emotional CPR supports for the community and no one ever reached out. And I think, you know, what's what's sad about that is. They're so. Like even right now, I just saw I just saw an article the other day about how they're talking about how the police didn't do anything. And there's all this evidence about how this guy dropped the ball. And so they're they're all in this um,
0: blame game.
1: Yeah. And the reality is, while you're in this blame game, right, people are hurting. People are struggling. And you're worried about who to point the finger to. Right. Who to point the finger at.
0: I'm so sorry that they didn't respond. Maybe, maybe they'll be in a different place. I'd reach out again, but man, those kids could sure ch- and the community,
1: the parents. Yeah, you know, every every time that there's a tragedy within this country, you know, yeah. I, I, and I know it sounds terrible, right? Like wow. we said it, you know, I, I called my people at the National Empowerment Center and ECPR and I said, look, like this is a perfect opportunity for ECPR to get some use within this community because this community's hurting. They're in pain. And you know, it, it's up to the community. To, to yeah. you know, we we can't just go there. We're not the Red Cross, right? Like we can't just go there right. and say, "Here, you know, people have got to want to to heal through this trauma and through these things." And 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 quite frankly, I think a lot of times people they but want to spend can... more time blaming people than getting healthy.
0: Uh... Maybe won't well, let's 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 dream for that day. Like yeah. like you just said, I can't. Mm-hmm. The red Cross can just show up. Jose Andres, the guy with World Central, he just shows up, cuts through all that red tape, and he what? shows up and feeds people. Mm-hmm. I would love to see that for your, wouldn't? How beautiful would that be when there's a national. A disaster disaster yeah. now disaster to have like a mental health group we're here
1: absolutely we
0: are we're just here we we're in this tent come over and see us
1: absolutely and,
0: well i wanted to thank you again for squeezing this interview in uh the week just a few days before christmas and then we'll all reach out during the year and um yeah. Uh, and definitely, when you have a link for that Airbnb, I'd love to promote it on my social media on LinkedIn. That's where I have more more people now, more followers. Yeah. But um, let's get that out there so we can help you get some capital and get these programs.
1: Yeah, that sounds great. Thank you, Janice, so much. And yeah, I uh, Merry Christmas, I, I John. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you too. I well, look forward to speaking you. to you again. Okay, right. bye bye. Right. Take care.
0: Thanks, everybody, for joining us for another episode of American Mood Swings, where we talk about the brain and all things mental health. Hope to see you next week. And please share with your friends.